This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm solid to the crack, never change me and my son the rain. It gets wet when we hang. I'm solid, could touch the blue part of the flame. The blue part of the flame. And nothing I just wanna roll with those in the bottom. Welcome to fire. The sports comedy podcast, it's like Patrick Mahomes. We show up every week in September, and my brother sucks at TikTok. I'm your host, Adam Weiner, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, jumping off sides when we hear the ice cream truck, getting fancy like Applebee's on a date night, getting fancier and taking my girl on a date someplace else after she gets mad at me in the Applebee's parking lot, and on Cameo wearing a Tony Siragusa mask. Big show today, Colts legend Reggie Wayne stopped by, courtesy of Castrol, plus Xavier Scruggs on the St. Louis Cardinals' devil magic. But first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. Zach Wilson was seeing ghosts of Sam Darnold on Sunday, throwing four picks in a Jets loss to the Patriots. But one game doesn't define a rookie quarterback. It could get much worse. Jets fans would like you to know that Trevor Lawrence also threw three interceptions in a game this year. They'd also like you to not realize that four is more than three. Justin Fields replaced an injured Andy Dalton this weekend for the Bears, so you're a winner if you had week two in your when will the Bears tantalize us with Justin Fields before going back to Andy Dalton pool. Coach Matt Nagy told reporters he wouldn't discuss his scheme on Monday when they pressed him on Fields versus Dalton. When a reporter reminded him this wasn't scheme, Nagy moved on anyway, although it left me wondering, how many things does he consider scheme? Doing the dishes, saving for retirement, war in Iraq, accidentally buzzing a robbery into an apartment building. Sorry, that scheme, scheme, war, scheme. No comment at this time. The remarkable 49ers lost three more running backs on Sunday, two to injury and one to Hillsong. Bruce Arian says the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have reached out to Richard Sherman. Not to play cornerback, though. Arians just doesn't feel comfortable yelling at Tom Brady and thinks Sherman should do it. The Ravens beat the Chiefs after John Harbaugh asked Lamar Jackson if he wanted to go for the game-clinching fourth down. No, said the Chiefs defense, using Lamar Jackson like a ventriloquist doll. Glad Harbaugh saw through that little charade. The Ravens also executed an awesome tribute to Michael K. Williams' work on The Wire before their home opener, but I thought Lamar Jackson took it too far when he paid tribute to The Wire by sucking during Season 2. Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay clarified that his sideline outburst was directed at offensive coordinator Jason Garrett and not quarterback Daniel Jones. Oh, that's a relief, said Jason Garrett. Phew, almost thought he was yelling at someone important. Nope, just, uh, just me. Angel star Shohei Otani is the front runner to win the American League Most Valuable Player Award. Insiders say it's because he does two things. You're paying one price for two things. That's obvious value. Derek Lively, the number two basketball player in the class of 2022, chose Duke this weekend. Man, who's going to tell him Coach K retired? Oh, money's still the same after his retirement? Got it, got it. Rays outfielder Kevin Kiermeyer stole a paper card with the Blue Jays pitching plan on it after he accidentally slid over it at home plate. Unfortunately for Kiermeyer, the whole thing was written in Canadian. And week two of the Manning cast was another huge success for Lions Packers. Featuring the first quarterback, Peyton Manning, is still better than. The Monday Night Football simulcast featured great guests like Pat McAfee, Rob Gronkowski, and weirdly Aaron Rodgers midway through the third quarter. During the broadcast, Gronk told Peyton and Eli that he doesn't watch film, then added, oh, unless it's NC-17. 
Eli's feed did go out with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, though, which I assume was to honor his former team, the New York Giants. That's it. Later in the show, former St. Louis Cardinal and current MLB media star Xavier Scruggs. But coming up next, six-time Pro Bowler, future Hall of Famer, and Indianapolis Colts and Miami Hurricanes legend Reggie Wayne spoke with me on behalf of Casserole, and he made some promises that I'm definitely going to hold him to. You are in Indianapolis uh, today helping out at a pretty special event hosted by Casserole. So I'd love to just start off by you know having you tell me a little bit more about what you're up to. No, man, you know, um, one thing about Indianapolis, I consider Indianapolis as home to me, right? So whenever we got something going on, I want to make sure I'm front and center. And um, like I said, I teamed up with Castro to come out here to, uh, to clean the streets. And, uh, you know, Castro partnered up with, you know, Keep America Beautiful, along with Keep Indianapolis Beautiful, as they would say, KIB. And um, and we're out here with volunteers, man, and uh, we're just cleaning up the neighborhood. And that's what we need. We need everybody in the community to come together and, and keep it in Napa's beautiful, and that's what we're doing today. That's where I wanted to start, too. So, you know, you ended up, uh, you know, in New England at your final training camp, but you ended up only playing regular season and postseason games for the Colts. Do yes. you view that as a point of pride in your retirement? Uh, I do. I do, and I, and I feel like that's um, that's the way it should have been. You know, um, you know, you see so much going on in the league today where guys are, you know, constantly on the go. You know, and a lot of the big guys, the big name guys, the elite guys, they, they, they're floating around. But I think during my generation when I played, you know, it was, you know, I think a lot of people took pride into wanting to start in one spot and finishing it at the same spot. So I was 14 years in Indianapolis. Um, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I have zero regrets the way it went. I enjoyed every bit of it, you know, built a lot of relationships with it and uh, won a lot of games. So, so yeah, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I, I did take pride in that. And, and, and that's one thing I can hang my hat on. Now, because you were so intrinsically connected to Indianapolis, you ended up being a huge part of Parks and Rec, the, the comedy oh, yeah. show that was uh, based yeah. in Indiana. Um, now, you, you guest starred at some point, but before you were on it, were you aware of how much Chris Pratt's character loved you? Like, did people mention that? You know what? It, it was crazy. Before I got on the show, you know, a lot of people on, on social media was always – you know, saying that, you know, Chris Pratt was, you know, wearing my jersey and he got married in my jersey. And I'm like, who is this Chris Pratt guy? You know what I mean? So then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you know, it's Parks and Rec. So I started paying, you know, attention to it. And it, and it was pretty interesting, man. It was actually one of my go-to shows, you know, and um, started watching it and got some laughs. And then all of a sudden I get the phone calls, you know, of them asking me, did I want to be in it? And, man, who didn't want to be in Parks and Rec? You know, so when I got that phone call, I told them absolutely and uh, met, met the – all you know, all, all the guys on the show, and and um, they were you know they were fun to work with, and ended up being on the show a couple of times. And you know what, I, I got that those, those two shows are the two shows that I know for sure that are saved on my DVR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting married next year too. Will you also come to my bachelor party if I promise to wear your jersey during the ceremony? I, hey, bro, guess what? I do that. I crashed the wedding, bro. <laughs> Great. I would definitely crash the wedding. <laughs> that was so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, now we got to talk. Uh, we got to talk teammates because this has been sort of a big week for uh, another one of your teammates, Peyton Manning, who's uh, also back on TV. He's in the Monday Night Broadcast. He's not in the booth though. Are you surprised that he didn't, you know, go right to the booth? Uh, you know what? You know, I, I think it's it, it's in works. I think this is one way that you know that that Peyton can can reach your audience and be himself at the same time. And, and I, and I guarantee you all the stuff that you see him doing on Monday night is, is, is the way he actually is. You know, he's a guy that loves to laugh and 
and crack jokes and um, and enjoy the game the way it should be. And um, I think at some point in time, I, I can see him being in the booth, you know, and on a more serious role. And then I also see, I see, you know, Peyton, you know, also owning the team somewhere, you know, in there. If not owning the team, actually being a commissioner of the NFL. So I, I think the future is bright for him. This is just one step in tone, one step of stone for him to kind of be himself and enjoy enjoy the game. Now, this is a question I've always wanted to ask because before you were a Colts legend, you were a Miami Hurricanes legend. Uh, you played with one of the most ridiculous rosters of guys ever that I can't even comprehend. Um, so of all the legends you played with at Miami, who has changed the least since becoming an NFL star? Like, who's the exact same guy they were in college? Edron James, without a doubt. Wow. Edron James, without a doubt. That, you know, I remember my first day walking in that place as a... As a as a, a, a snotty nose, you know, freshman. And Edron at the time, to be honest with you, he was only a year ahead of me, you know. Um, and he was the one, you know, uh, upperclassman that treated me one way and it treated me the same way to this day. You know, it never changed. It never wavered. It was always the same dude. And I think a lot of guys will also echo my comments when it comes to EJ. Um you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's tough these days to get somebody that's, you know, 100% real with you and, and keep it real. And that's been him since I've met him. Amazing. Um, those Colts glory days, you can't beat them. But I'm thinking about this year's team, too, a little bit. I want to get your thoughts. Um, they're about to shoot an in-season hard knocks with yeah. this year's Colts. Um, I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Do you think that's going to put extra pressure on this roster? How do you think the team's going to react to it? How would you react um, to it? I think I think the roster is going to enjoy it. You know, you got cameras following you. I mean, who don't like cameras following them? You know, I mean, you can become a star. Who knows? It can be a it can be a startup for for some for a lot of these guys in the future. You know, but I think the pressure is on the coaches now. I think the pressure is on the franchise. You know, the the, the pressure is on the Indianapolis coach because now, you know, you're kicking off a you know the the one of one so far you know of something that everybody's going to be tuned into so you can't stink it up <laughs> you know what i mean can't stink it up you know you you don't want to be that team to 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 start off something and 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 suck at it <laughs> you know what i mean so um i think the pressure's on the coaches to get these guys to perform at a high level and i'm sure they're going to you know step up to the plate and do what they got to do you know so uh I feel good about this team. I really do. And uh, those guys seem like they're, they're excited about it. We just got to make sure everybody's healthy and, and, and on the same page. What about the current Colts uh, wide receiving core? Who do you think is sort of most likely to break out and maybe carry this team a little bit down the uh, next few tough games? You know, um, you know, I think it's a lot on, on Michael Pittman Jr. You know, um, he's going to his second year, so he, he needs to make that step. You know, um, I think that all of them. I mean, we get, they got a they got a rookie this year, number seventeen, Michael Strato. You know, he's mm-hmm. he, he 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 had an unbelievable uh, you know training camp. Um, so now it's time to see if he can do it. And you know, and as they say, in real time and in, in real games. You know, so um, I'm excited about him. I, I really think he's going to be you know a, a solid part you know to the season um, and 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 on to a great career for a guy that you know. That, that went to, you know, Charleston State, you know, which a lot of people don't even know what that is. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I, I think uh, as, a, as a group, you know, I think they all have, you know, a major role to step in this year. And then even bigger roles for T.Y. Hilton to be that leader, you know, even though he's hurt and not playing. But his, 
his leadership is still the strongest. It's got to be super strong. You know, I told him I was in his in his position before when he was a young pup. You know, what I mean, I told my ACL in, in, in 2013, and but you know, I still was in the in the meeting rooms. I still was you know leading the guys to the, you know during the games and things of that caliber. So even though he's hurt, his 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 aura in the room and around those guys is even even stronger now. It needs to be, and um, I think. You know, the receiver room for this team is going to be as far as, you know, wherever they go this year, the receiver's got to be a big part of that. Now, you mentioned uh, T.Y., which, and, and sort of the similarity in your situations towards the end of your career, uh, which current NFL player would you say most reminds you of yourself right about now? Hey, baby, we one on one, baby. <laughs> we one on one. Ain't nobody out there like over eighty seven. That's all I'm gonna say. You know what I mean? You know, I will say this though. It's a lot of it's a lot of receivers out there that are pretty good. You know, I mean, we can go on from the Julios and the, the DeAndre Hopkins and the, and the you know Devontae, you know Adams, and I mean the list goes on and on and on. You know what I mean? So um, I'm just excited that it, you know the season has started and we got some real games and not the preseason stuff. You know and um, you know, I, you know, I'm sitting back as a fan, bro. I'm sitting back and enjoying it, having my adult beverage and relaxing. <laughs> I the love way it. it should be. <laughs> I love it. Um, now I'll I'll close with this. Um, you for me are a shoe in Hall of Famer. I, I hope you uh, and I hope you know that. I'm sure you do. Um, One day. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you think about the Hall of Fame at all, or are you concerned about that, or are you sort of happy just waiting out the process? Hey, man. Guess what. When I, when, when, when I was a kid wanting to play football, I, I, it, it was never to be, you know, a Hall of Famer. I didn't know what a Hall of Fame was growing up. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just want, I just wanted to play football. So for me to even be, um, you know, mentioned until something as, as luxury as a, the Hall of Fame, well, I'm good. I, you know, I, I am good. Whenever it happens, it happens. If it don't, I understand that too. You know what I mean? So I'm enjoying the process. I don't think I did was just want to be accountable to my teammates, you know, every week, show up every week, play the game that I love to play, you know, um, and if it goes down, it goes down. I can tell you this, my phone works, you know, <laughs> my phone works. So if they call me, I'll answer, you know, if not, Leave a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> we have, yeah, we've seen, I mean, these videos the last couple of years of players making the hall and just that giant mountain of a man sneaking up on people and telling them they got yeah. in. I guess I'll just ask, are you ready for that guy? Like, will you freak out or panic a little bit or, or are you ready for that jump scare? Nah, man, it never freak out. You know, he knock on that door, I'm going to answer it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to answer it without a doubt. And, uh, Whenever it does happen, I'll be excited. I'll be excited. My family will be excited. Um, and, and I guess, you know, that'll be another chapter that we can kind of either open up or close and move on from there. Thank you so much, Reggie. I really All appreciate right. it. Uh, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it, bro. It's official. Reggie Wade is coming to my bachelor party. No walking that back now. It's a podcast promise. Those are legally binding. 
Such a pleasure talking to Reggie. That was great. Now, I am a baseball guy, first and foremost, and the number one story in Major League Baseball these days is uh, the collapse of my beloved New York Yankees, but we will gloss over that because I'd rather talk about positive things. That's why I reached out to Xavier Scruggs. He hosts a podcast for MLB.com called The Bigs. He does some of the best interviews in the game, and he is a former St. Louis Cardinal, and that team is surging for whatever reason. So to get to the bottom of it, I reached out to a guy who's been in that locker room since he was drafted. He's with the organization today. Xavier Scruggs will fill you in on what's going on in St. Louis. I am here with former St. Louis Cardinal Xavier Scruggs, current MLB media member extraordinaire. And I had to call you today because you've been putting out your where the hell did the Cardinals come from videos. So I got to ask you. Where the hell did the Cardinals come from? It's a 10-game winning streak. Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt are pulling them out of the depths. And this team, all of a sudden, seems uniquely positioned to really bother the Dodgers with hopefully Adam Wainwright on the mound. So how did we get here? What What is happening? <laughs> hey, first and foremost, appreciate you having me on here. And it's been exciting, man. You see the Cardinals go from early August having what, a 3.5% chance to now almost uh, over a 90% chance to make the playoffs, um, you got to hand it first and foremost to the pitching staff. It, it, this is a staff that wasn't doing much and, and a lot of injuries early on. You talk about Carlos Martinez, Jack Flaherty, Miles Miklas. You figure, okay, what are we going to do? And they go out and make some trade acquisitions in a half, and you get a Lester, uh, and Wainwright is pitching out of his mind. But with those trade acquisitions, they're able to eat up some more innings, and those guys actually outperformed what we thought that they were going to do. So you get some of those great performances on the pitching side, and then uh, not just the starting pitching side, the bullpen as well. It's, it went from one of the worst bullpens to one of the best bullpens, and you see guys are not uh, giving away free passes. You were getting a lot of walks, a lot of guys getting behind in the count early on in the season, and now it's the exact one, 180. It's the exact opposite. These guys are pitching lights out, so that's a huge factor. You talk about pitching. That's what gets you to the playoffs. That's what allows you an opportunity once you're in the playoffs, and then you mentioned the guys swinging the sticks, man. You get Arenado, and you get Goldsmith doing their thing as of recent. Arenado quietly has had a, a, an amazing season, over 30 home runs. We talked about in the offseason, okay, would his home runs transfer to a Bush Stadium from a Coors? Yes, they've transferred. He's done a nice job. And then also, you talk about some of the younger players. You talk about uh, Tyler O'Neill. He's come out. He, he's He's been one of the top 15, 20 players in our league just when you look at advanced metrics. And then you talk about some of the other guys, Dylan Carlson, a rookie who's performed pretty well. You talk about Harrison Bader, great defense out there in center field. So you get a lot of guys that have performed up um, since since really the all-star break and it's been fun to watch them do their thing and now you like you said they've afforded themselves an opportunity for the playoffs and they haven't looked back whatsoever did you see this coming before it started or had you kind of written off their chances like the rest of us because i'm not ashamed to admit i kind of wasn't paying attention to the cardinals for a while and then suddenly you look up early i mean not even august early september and you kind of realize how good they'd been for so long I work for the Cardinals, and uh, and I still was like, where did the Cardinals come from? That's why I had to answer it for myself. Uh, I had, I won't say I'd written them off, just yeah. because I know what I know what they're capable of doing as an organization, right? You talk about John Mozeliak and some of the moves that he's made. He's proven that he's been one of the best presidents of operations, one of the best. Uh, 
one of the best GMs in the game just by what he's able been able to do for years past. And then you talk about a Mike Schilt, a guy that he really has the clubhouse in his hands. He really makes sure that the guys are in the best position to succeed, and he's done that. You talk about almost, I think of almost like a manager of the year, the way that the turnaround has been because you're able to make the adjustments the second half of the season, and you're able to put your team in a great position. So, one, I, I did not write them off, but I was wondering where they were, just like everybody else. I wasn't. I, they're not a team that I'm going to turn on TV and say, yes, I want to stop and watch this game because what they had been doing in the first half of the season all the way till the early August. So now this is a team that when I see them on TV, I got to stop and watch because this team has come out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm not a Cardinals fan necessarily, but I, I'm in New York. They went and played the Mets last week. I bought a ticket uh, on the Monday game, and I don't think that's something I would have done necessarily even a month ago. I had to see it in person. It was Wayno. I've never seen him pitch before. Um, I'm an Adam W. also, so I've always felt a kinship with Adam Wainwright. Um, but it looks like he's going to be the guy probably, probably staring down the Dodgers in the wild card game. Um, you see, I mean, you, you work with the team. You were raised in that locker room. Do you have a favorite Adam Wainwright story from your time with the organization? I do, man. I do. I think one of the big things for me was um, being a young rookie going to the locker room early in spring training and thinking that I'm getting to the field early. I think I want to maybe 5.36 a.m. early on in spring training. And I already see this dude, Adam Wainwright, has been at the stadium almost an hour and a half, already has worked out. He's already getting treatment in the training room. Um, he's already he's already eaten breakfast. And I sat down and I said, man, like, what, why do you get here so early? And isn't this the time, like, the rookies are supposed to be here getting their work in, making sure that they get out of the way before the veterans like you? And he's like, man, I consider myself a rookie every single year. I consider myself coming in, competing for a job. And that ultimately just told me, okay, this is the mindset of a true winner. This is the mindset of a true competitor. And that's the mindset that I need to have. And it's not hard for me to believe why he's been so good for such a long period in his career and still continuing to revamp himself because he treats himself like as if he's competing for a starting job every year. And I think that's what makes him so special. And to see some of the adjustments he's made, most notably with his sinker, this is a pitch that was getting hit at a pretty high clip over the past couple of years. Guys were driving the ball off of him. They're not doing that this year. And I think for a guy at his age of 40 to say, okay, this is the adjustments I need to make, you, uh, most of the times you can't treat a, a old dog new tricks. This is somebody that's taken upon himself to say, no, I need to make some changes. And he did that this year. Now, is that sort of the dark secret of the Cardinals? That thing where, you know, even if it's Adam Wainwright and he's 40, you know, he's acting like a rookie. He's not taking anything for granted. This team seems like, like it's always been impervious to September and October pressure, and I guess that went away, quote unquote, for a couple of years, but it's definitely back now. Is that the secret that everybody, no matter how big a star, feels like they have to earn it again every day? I, I, I don't want to say it's a secret because you can get that from a lot of different organizations. A lot of different individuals mm-hmm. do have that mentality. But I think what it is, is is more of a collective understanding as an organization, not even just the players, but the staff. Like, hey, 
This is an organization that goes to World Series. This is an organization that gets to the playoffs. There's nothing less than that. So it has to be an understanding of it. And while I was in the organization, this was something that I was taught from the very early beginnings of minor league is, hey, we continue to build the foundation. We continue to go and get better every single day. So the focus is not, okay, let's 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 be the best team we can be. No. How can every single individual get themselves better over the course of a year? And if you do that collectively, you find yourself in a position to fight for the postseason and an opportunity for a World Series. Now, you were drafted by the Cards back in 08. I uh, I will say I saw you play in Palm Beach. Um, I was a fan of back in the day. Uh, you had a special class area. You came up with Lance Lynn. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of guys coming up at that time. And of those Cardinals prospects, who were sort of the guys who you knew were destined for stardom when you saw them work? Man, the, the one person that I would have to say, and, and there was probably a few, but I would have to say Matt Carpenter was one of them just wow. from a work ethic standpoint because he was somebody that wasn't necessarily a top prospect, but you saw this guy work day in and day out. He was going to figure out a way to get there. Another guy for me that I came up with was Colton Wong. I played with him, double A. Um, he made the jump from, from I think, I want to say low A to double A. Um, this was a, a guy that I knew his talents were way above a lot of the guys that we were around at that time. And I said, as long as this kid works and, and figures out what he needs to do from a po- approach standpoint at the plate, he'll be one of the top second basemen in the league. And he's done that. Um, uh, another guy just like that, too, is um, was Lance Lynn, like you mentioned, uh, a guy that had the stuff. Now it's more about being able to be consistent with it, and that's what he's shown us. He, this dude is consistent with one pitch, a fastball. He Obviously, he cuts it, he can sink it, he can four-seam it, but you're talking about a fastball that he goes out there and beats everybody with every on a day-to-day basis. Um, so it, it's been ingrained in that Cardinal system. You hear these, these quote-unquote, the Cardinal way um, themes, but what it really is, it's more of a mentality of take what you have and figure out how to get it better every day. Now, this current team, who is sort of the one guy who's keyed the comeback who maybe America doesn't know and they definitely should? Yeah, that's Tyler O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Uh, flat out, flat out, plain and simple. Um, the kid has been amazing when it comes to the defensive side. Obviously, won his first gold glove last year, but it's the bat that's turned around. Um, and and it, it's not necessarily the – he still has the swing and miss in his swing, but now it's when he makes contact – He's driving the ball. He's not missing pitches. He's not getting them off the end. He's not getting um, getting jammed. When this dude makes contact, the ball is flying off of his bat. High exit velo. He's one of the strongest players in the league. You can see it uh, visually, but at the same time, the numbers speak volumes. And he's someone that deserves a lot of recognition nationally at this point because of what he's doing day in and day out. Yeah, I mean, I went to that game last week, and even watching Tyler O'Neill walk to the outfield, you're like, oh, this is like a different kind of person. Like, this guy is built. <laughs> um, now, you are you're creating content of your own. I, I would love if you to tell me a little bit more about the bigs, the podcast that you do for MLB.com uh, that just wrapped season one, and it's awesome player-to-player conversation. I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, man, uh, for me... Uh, while I was playing the game, it was always important for me to develop relationships 
Um, and it was just something that I was always intrigued by, learning where other people come from, what their backgrounds are, uh, what drives them, what helps them be successful, what they've learned from, what are your weaknesses, your strengths. So all those things I wanted to be able to put on a platform for people that don't necessarily get to hear those things. I wanted people to hear it in a different way. A lot of times we have podcasts that, you know, can be real joking, right? It's a storytelling podcast that, you know, is real humorous or whatnot but i wanted the main focus i wanted was for people to take something away from it like every single podcast that i had i wanted somebody to say okay i can take this away and apply it to my life or i can take this one piece of advice and use this um for where i'm at right now and i wanted it to relate to people that aren't just baseball people i wanted to relate to people that are in real life like just normal living life i i love talking to albert pujols in his dominican beginnings and talking about how he he didn't come from much but he knew his opportunity to come to america there was going to be a plethora of options not just for him to be a baseball player but if he wanted to be an engineer he could be an engineer so just the mindset of guys of, of brett phillips game four world series walk-off um, what that was like going through all those thoughts, uh, it, but not just not just those thoughts, but what came before that when he was traded by multiple teams, he's supposed to be a top prospect and they're trading away their top prospects. What does that feel like as a player? So I wanted to get a little bit deeper in discussion and find out what are some of those things that, that guys go through that everybody can relate to. Well, Xavier, thank you so much. The podcast is a must listen. The Cardinals are a must watch. So it's been a, a big year for you. Um, best of luck down the stretch and into the playoffs, man. It's been a total pleasure talking to you. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Xavier Scruggs, everybody. Even if you don't want to root for the Cardinals, please rate and subscribe to The Bigs, where you'll hear guests like Albert Pujols, Tim Anderson, Ozzie Smith, and other heroes of mine who've said no to Sportfire. Just kidding. And now with a week two final flame, here's Chris Collinsworth from NBC's Sunday Night Football. Hi, I'm Chris Collinsworth. Football's a crazy game, isn't it? One minute, you're telling everybody to relax. And the next minute, you have your fans chugging X-Lax. But that's why Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are so fascinating to me. Rodgers is just a winner unless he's emphatically losing. As far as how far the Packers can go, <laughs> I just can't tell Robert Tunyon from a Funyun Al. No, Al's not here. I'm just hoping he listens to this later and eventually weighs in. You know what they say about the NFL though, it's a make or miss league. And Kyler Murray, he ain't missing. Through two weeks, he's my MVP behind Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. And how about that Justin Herbert kid? He's my MVP. As well as Derek Carr, Dak Prescott just knows how to throw the football. And Quentin Nelson? By God, he doesn't. Not his position. Not his responsibility whatsoever. This new season has brought us so many great storylines, but the best part is how fast things change. Week one, we were all shocked by the Houston Texans. Now, we're chugging X-Lax. But on top of everything, I know exactly why you're all still here. To hear me say, here's a guy. So I'm gonna present you with a few guys I invented. Here's some guys I made up. Here's a guy who tiptoes down the sidelines even without the ball. He's an assistant coach. 
here's a guy who's so wide open he bends into his own body because he's bored. Here's a guy outside the stadium trying to sell me a blender. Here's a guy who won't sign for packages because he doesn't want to give FedEx his personal information. They already got your address, guy. Here's a guy who says he met President Clinton, but he meant saw him on TV. And he also meant Fievel goes west. Here's a guy who doesn't trust Velcro. <laughs> Here's a guy who eats cereal out of shot glasses. Here's a guy in a tent. And here's a guy who's ready for a magical year. Hey, that's me. I'm a guy. NBC has the Super Bowl this year. So get ready for a whole lot more of me. And a whole lot more of guys, Al. Al, call me back if you listen to this. I think I mailed the tape back to myself by accident on the end around. My thanks to Reggie Wayne and Xavier Scruggs. See you next Thursday.